what do you rate the movie? Um, think about all aspects: the cinematography, yeah, the enjoyability. Ready? You ready? I guess so. I give it a damn. That's low. I think it's fair. You're fucking great 2.0, bro. Nuh-uh. Yes, At you least are. I don't change my shit. I don't change mine. Well, I just said it, so you can't say that that's the rule and then dog my rating after I yes, say I it. Can. No, you can't. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Crown Cinema Podcast. In this episode, because it's what season is it? It's spooky season. We're going to watch The Shining this episode. Uh, Stanley Kubrick's classic. It's uh, critically acclaimed. Came out in 1980. It's got huge ratings on IMDb. Have oh, you seen yeah. it? Yeah. I've never seen Have it. Have you not? I've oh never seen gosh. it. Oh my gosh. It's a classic. I know. <laughs> See, I've only seen Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, and I've only seen Apocalypse. No, Apocalypse Now is not him. What else has he made? I don't know. You were just on the IMDb page. <laughs> All right. Let me see. This was, you have to, you have to say that this was my pick whenever you were, mm, you're right. Cause y'all wanted to do spooky movies. And I was like, Oh, the, the, a classic it's the shining. I said the shining and then y'all have to do Halloween, Yep. which I don't know if y'all are doing that, but I like that. I get to be on this episode yeah, with the you, shining. You yeah. Pick it. Yeah. You told me and I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. We should do that. Yeah, it's a Stephen King, too, which is, like, the king of horror. Oh, it's Dr. Strangelove. Oh. You seen that one? No. It's about a... It's in black and white, and it's about a general... Yes, and he's a Nazi? No, he's no, no he's a general fighting the Nazis. Oh. I think. No, no he during, ends oh, up remembering... during the Cold War. Oh, was that not the black and white? Do you remember when we were in college and you had... We were both watching black and white movies. That was movies. Dr. Strangelove. Yes, yeah. And he ends up being a Nazi at the end. The okay. guy that, remember, he couldn't keep his hand down from doing the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Ah, who was really paying attention. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> That's a pretty major part of that movie. I forgot about that. But yeah, what was I watching? Um, oh, I was watching Psycho. I was watching Psycho for a class. Psycho? Oh. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alfred Hitchcock's movie? Yeah. Oh. We were both watching black and white movies. And I think it was around... Halloween. We were dating. We were in the frat house and laying in bed and just both watching separate movies, movies for classes. Yeah, with no, our laptops. No, you watched Doctor Strange Love with me. I watched the end with you. That's how I know how it ends. Oh, okay. All right. Crazy. Anyway, I. Okay, I have to tell you about the show I've been watching. Tell me. It's so freaking good. I watched it while you were in Chicago. So when I was in college. I was taking a bunch of um, American horror and like gothic classes. They were the only ones I liked. That was when I had switched over to literature and I was taking these classes and they're interesting me so much. Well, at the same time, I started watching the show, The Haunting of Bly Manor. And I was like, this is one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. And so as I'm like, reading these short stories of Henry James, which is one of the early evidences of horror in American literature. What was, what was, what was stories like back then? Like what made his different? They How, were what's very, his horror movie? Okay. What, so sto horror story. Like, what is it like? This is what makes like the Gothic and the horror genre. There's certain like tropes that happen and um, a lot of it is setting. So it's like a scary castle or it's very simple. 
a lot of these are short stories and they were released in newspaper form. So that's how people would make money. That's how these writers would make money. That's how Stephen King made money. It was magazines, not newspapers. I think he did some newspapers, but eventually magazines and write stories. So that's how he got his start. That was like one of the most interesting things I learned in these classes was that a lot of this was like they're trying to make money off of people liking their stories. So a lot of these classics like um, Bram Stoker's Dracula was released that way. Mm-hmm. And halfway through the book, the whole entire plot kind of changes. And my professor, shout out Nicholas Brush, one of the best professors I ever had. He told me that was because if the people didn't like it, then they would have to change it because that's the only way they would make money. So long story short, Henry James, I'm reading these short stories and I'm seeing these parallels in this show that I'm watching. So then I pick up The Haunting of Hill House, which is a novel by Shirley Jackson. Loosely based off of it, all the names are the same. The show is, you're saying? Yes, yes. And it's this one creator, um, his name is Mike Flanagan, and he's only like directed and created these shows and they're so freaking good. Like you go on his IMDb page all it is are these shows and so midnight mass was another one it came out he releases them around halloween time every year so midnight mass came out and it's based off of salem's lot stephen king's salem's lot so he released another one it's called the fall of the house of usher and it's based off of edgar Allan poe's short stories that one takes the name there's that one but then it's also um the raven makes appearances that symbolism in there and uh like i said it's really loosely based what i like about it is they use the same actors so you start to know the actors and you watch them in these different stories kind of like american horror story does and then um i like how every episode it gives you like a piece of the puzzle because that's the type of stuff i want to write is that has these deeper meanings and has these ties to literature but take a modern spin on it and i am obsessed with these like mike flanagan i am your biggest fan i am so just like and i'm on episode four of this one and i can't watch it at night because it freaks me out but uh it's really really good what is this one about this one is about this um really rich typhoon family it's like um they're a pharmaceutical company and this one guy um roderick usher which is like the same name in the edgar Allan poe short story he has like seven children right and they're on prosecution from the u.s attorney's office for making this opioid that starts an opioid pandemic and they're profiting off of it so they're in this giant you know lawsuit from literally the federal government and um all of his children start dying off right and you're seeing these parallels spoiler alert i think i'm on episode four right now i think early on when they were younger because it keeps on flashing back whenever him and his sister were younger and they were trying to change the world and make money because they didn't come from a lot their mother died when they were young i think they made a deal with the devil and the devil's coming back to claim each of his children so Mm. we know starting out that all of his kids die we just don't know how and he's like confessing to the da you know Mm -hmm. all of he's like i know what happened so he's telling the story and each episode is like kind of following how each of his children die so we'll learn at the end why that sounds crazy it's awesome 
It's so good. The story is so good. It's shot really, really well. It makes you feel really unsettled. There's jump scares. The acting is awesome. I love it all. Fuck a jump scare. Yeah. I do not like a jump scare. Yeah. It Sometimes gets your adrenaline fun. pumping. It makes it fun. Sometimes they're good when it's like not a scary movie and they, and they fucking jump scare you. When it's yeah. not like a scary movie, but like it's in like an action movie or something something where there's like fighting in it and like someone will jump out at yeah. you and you're like, God damn it. Well, because I'm that person. If I get jump scared, I yes. get pissed. No, no, no. Your ass makes me yeah, jump. I, <laughs> I don't jump. Usually when those scenes, like I don't jump, but I, you know, feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, sometimes when you don't react, but you still feel it in your body. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's how I usually feel. But whenever your ass goes, <gasps> my ass goes, oh, what? Because we're watching it together all the time. Yeah. So you make me jump because yeah. you are a jumper. Do you feel like that's a knee jerk reaction for you? Because I've always felt like that. Like when you jump out and scare me, I get pissed <laughs> like really fast. Dude, you're the and easiest then I person like, to scare. Down. You're the easiest person to scare. Yeah. <laughs> You've only scared me good one time. It was that one time when we were. <laughs> With the mannequin head. Yeah, yeah. I was brushing my teeth or something. And Mercedes, when she was in uh, cosmetology school, she used to have these mannequin heads that she had to work on. And they were just like, you know, creepy looking heads that just had hair that you had to cut, right? And so one time I was like brushing my teeth or washing my hands, something in her bathroom. And right behind our bathroom, like you can see behind you in the mirror, is a corner to the opener, to the more open space of the apartment. And I look up to look at like my, my teeth or myself and I see right behind me a little mannequin head like sideways popped out. And I freak I didn't jump or anything or scream, but I just felt a just like cold shiver through my entire body. Like my heart dropped. And then I was like immediately like a half a second later I was like, "Oh yeah, that's just like this motherfucker she's using her mannequin head on me." But I, that cold shiver just it was like just so not it was so eerie seeing a little mannequin head staring at me. Yeah. Do you think that's worse than like a jump scare? Do you feel like that feeling of unsettling would be worse than like a, a jump scare right behind you? Mm, no. Jump scares worse. Yeah. I have so many or I used to have. Now I have like only one or two just in case if I have to like do something on them at work. But I used to have so many of those in my trunk and there was one time that I closed my trunk and the hair was like sticking out. Oh my God. Dude, I noticed it. Thank God. Cause I probably would have gotten stopped on the road. <laughs> like, yes, maybe. in my trunk, there was human hair laying out of my trunk. Holy shit. You spilled some red dye. <laughs> oh <laughs> right my up, right gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had red dye in your hands when you shut the door, leaves <laughs> blood finger marks. <laughs> Uh, Could you imagine a cop pulls you over with this gun ready because he thinks yeah. you have a dead body in your trunk and you're like, it's just a mannequin head. And he's oh like, God. what the fuck? What a misunderstanding. That's had to have happened at least once. Um, I mean, I would think like if you are already getting stopped like for something else and they kind of peek back there and they see it like if it's laying down, you know, good enough, maybe. No, I mean the hair out of the trunk. Oh, I don't know anybody else that's done that. I'm, I'm saying that I feel like <laughs> if that happens, that's got to happen often with stylists or people that are in cosmetology school, right? Yeah. Put mannequins in their trunk and then the hair popping out on the, that's got to be common within people. Oh yeah. Or within I, that people. I bet we can ask someone. They're like, oh yeah, all the time. Yeah. I see. 
Um, all right. So you, when's the last time you seen The Shining? Um, I was a kid when I saw it. My dad was a big Stephen King fan um, with no regard oh, on what children should watch. Yes. I didn't know that. I, it's a book based. That's why I said. Sorry. Actually, so my growing up, my parents were big Friends fans, and yeah. so am I. And there's this one, <laughs> there's this one episode where Joey like reads The Shining and gets scared and puts it in the freezer, and him and Rachel like Rachel loves Little Women, and so they swap books, mm. and she's like getting scared, and he's like getting emotional because people die off in Little Women, mm. and then. You know, it's just, it's funny. At the end, he decides to put Little Women in the freezer because he didn't like it. But um, the movie itself, I haven't read the book yet. I definitely want to, but I've heard that it's pretty closely adapted to it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But you haven't seen like that meme of all the blood coming out of the elevator? Maybe. But <laughs> I can tell you, that's what me and my friends used yeah. to send each other when we were on our period. <laughs> but generally, like a book remake that is you know a book remake that's critically acclaimed is usually going to be a pretty solid adaptation yeah you know what i mean yeah this is not a critically acclaimed movie but like the gray man book and movie was a good the movie was a really good adaptation of the book yeah a lot of times i'm really critical about that though because i love 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 books and then i feel like it's never done well except for so Reese Witherspoon did. Remember, I took you with me to go see where the crawdads sing. Yep. That yep. was probably the best one I've ever seen, and that was her production company. Yeah, and she has like a book club. She does really, really good adaptations of books. Dune's a pretty good adaptation. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty. Well, we'll see. Like I remember you talking about like the trailer and stuff, and I need to finish it before it comes out. You Thank do. God it got pushed back so that I have more time to finish it because it was losing me. I was like dragging on and all my all my coworkers tell me to read other books so then i pick up other books i'm audio audio booking one at the mm. same time but yeah yeah dune's legit yeah the book is legit yeah it's pretty spot on even like the actors well because i had already seen the movie and what i like to do when i read books is to picture actors that i picture in that role yeah and so i already had them in my head so when i watch the movie again after already reading a little bit of the book, I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty spot on. The you casting. Know, yeah, it was weird as a kid because I read Hunger Games as a kid. So it's weird reading a book and you come up with the characters in your mind when there's not a movie, right? Because it wasn't a Hunger Games movie. It was coming out. Yeah. And so I was reading the book. I read the book first. And you start to try to picture these characters in your mind. And then when they get casted, you're like, that's not what they look like. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you have to try to like, <laughs> it's hard to differentiate yeah it's hard to put your mind back or it's hard to like hard to enjoy it without not seeing the people you saw in your head yeah versus seeing the actors it takes a little bit of adjustment time to get used to it yeah which i think is pretty funny that's how i was about divergent because i read them when they when they came out and i remember i i had the flu i was in like fifth grade or something and i couldn't sleep because my fever was so high so i would just read them all throughout the night mm. that was something that my parents or my dad would never tell me no about was buying books. Like if I bought a book and I was going to read it, he'd buy me as many books as I wanted because he's a pretty avid reader too. Not as much now as he was when I was growing up, but like he's read all, his Stephen King collection is insane. So anytime I want like a good recommendation on books like that, I ask him. 
Um, but that's how I felt about the Divergent ones when those movies came out. They sucked ass. I was so pissed because those yeah. books were good I don't as know. hell. I didn't. I read the first one just because it was. I liked Hunger Games, and this was the next. You know, same type of movie and book. Yeah. And I liked Hunger Games, so I'm like, okay, I'll give Divergent a shot. So I read them, but I didn't really get into them. Like I didn't finish them. Oh, I just felt hooked. like they were just copies of the. Yeah. I don't. They're not really copies of Hunger Games. It's a different story, but it's just kind of the same. Like type a, of story a false utopian yeah. society yeah exactly and i was just i wasn't into the divergent ones yeah well it makes sense if you picked up one because i didn't pick up hunger games i picked up divergent you, so you try to read sense. hunger games um i wanted to read them like a few months ago and i just got sidetracked with other books they're good but i never read them growing up or anything so but i feel like when we were growing up there was a lot of like false utopian like that was like a, a thing yeah because hunger games probably made a shitload yeah. of money yeah let's look where's my phone yeah oh, right here let's see how much that hunger games made and then we'll go watch the movie not hunger games we're gonna watch the shining yeah but i want to see the hunger games like how much it made before we go watch it because okay yeah box office is 694 million dollars yeah yeah. It made more than half a billion dollars. Yeah. That's why there were so many dystopian things afterward, because that was a fucking giant success. I'm sure Divergent was as a success, too. No, I don't know, because those movies, maybe the first one, because I went and watched the first one, yeah. and I was bitching the entire time. I was like, this sucks. But Well, um, not, not as much, but it still made $288 million, which is still solid. So they're like, hey, we knew. Yeah, but Hunger Games also started like it was similar to Twilight in that it started like a giant fandom. Yeah. Like if you were a fan of the Hunger Games, you were a fan. Yeah. You know. Another one of those movies is Maze Runner. Yeah, that was one of those two that came out. Those books came out around the same time. Another one. And then like I remember yeah, around and, that and time. Yeah, came out around the same time, right? Yeah. That was when they're trying to get their money grabbed. Yeah. The production companies were like, hey, let's go. That. Yeah. Let's make some money. Did you read, I had to read The Giver. Yeah. In, yeah, I really enjoyed that one. And I liked whenever the the new movie came oh, out. Okay. About that one. That one was good. Here's a box office total of the three films. It made, it made almost a billion dollars in total. Yeah. Off of YA, essentially. What is YA? Um, youth author young you know oh. it's like it's like young books for younger kids mm. is it yeah i guess not really it's kind of violent yeah but on the page it's not really it's not mm. like anything sexual happens it's like that's where yeah that's yeah. where i think the cutoff is well also like what may be labeled as ya now may not whenever we were kids it was i feel like parents weren't paying attention like there were some things that um, well, books I read now, like were labeled as YA until just recently, man. And I, I would read them. I'd be like, I what wouldn't want hell? my kid reading this. This is a little spicy. Well, that's, some, uh, but also it uh, seems like kids are like, people are making, people are a lot more lenient on kids and it seems like kids cuss a lot younger. Yeah. Because like it's a, just exposure to things. Yeah, exactly. Like so think like about kids how much. Know a little bit more bad things earlier on. Yeah. Because even like with Jace, like being on his iPad and stuff, like he, even though the videos are for kids, there's ads that may have cuss words. And, you know, like he, 
little kids go to school and older siblings like say stuff around them because they think it's funny. And they'll and, hear, and they and they hear it on TV. They hear they hear their family members that mess up around them, like me and you do all oh, the time. All the time. At this point, it's Slip like an F word. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. At this point, it's just like we just need to. We're good uh, at it now, though. We were bad for a second there, but we yeah fix ourselves. Yeah, but. You know, they're just more think about how much like replace you and I growing up and going outside and like riding our bikes to like kids like being on an iPad and tell me which one more is going to expose them to like cussing. Well, I don't know. It depends on who you're meeting with on the street, man. Yeah, no, you definitely <laughs> definitely hanging out with your buddies when you start cussing. Yeah. They yeah. start making you dude say that for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which is like, it's so terrible to hear a child say that. It's also hilarious. It's hilarious, but it's also like, I don't know. There's a there's a complex there for sure. It's like, ooh, it's like that should not be coming out of your mouth. I, I mean, if it's, it's vulgar, so yeah. A little F word every once in a while is <laughs> kind of funny. Your shit. Yeah. Like, I love that story of Chris Pratt whenever he's... um. Oh yeah, he was his kid. Um, yeah, when he's, he's going fishing. Yeah. Here, hold on. I'm gonna pause. I'm gonna grab my laptop. All right, now I can record this video so we can watch it actually on the podcast. Yeah. Can you okay. hold this mic real fast? It's pretty handy. Double fisting it. Thank you. I had to start my screen recording. All right. So yeah, I want to look up that. It's a funny video with Chris Pratt when he's talking about his kid fishing. When he he allows his boys when these you know when they're out fishing, they can cuss. That's when you're allowed to cuss because you're fishing with the boys. Which right. is a much nicer way to say like because I feel like a lot of dads will be like, oh, you can cuss when you're not around your mom, but it's like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll just play the short. I had this rule with my old man, and, and I have it with my son, which is when you're fishing, you can swear. <laughs> and so we're out fishing. He catches a fish, and I'm trying to get him to take a picture with the fish before we let it go. And it flops out of his hands, and, it, and these bass have these little spines on, the, on their back. And the fin pokes him in the hand. It falls in the water. He starts to cry. And he's like, oh. And I said, hey, buddy, are you all right? You all right? He said, oh, dad, I'm about to swear. <laughs> Says, hey, you know, you know the rules. And he goes, that bass, that bass is stupid. <laughs> well, you know, I think we say, hey, don't say someone call someone stupid. That's bad. You shouldn't say that. And, I, and he continues to cry. I said, did you feel better? He said, a little bit stupid, stupid bass. And I was like, <laughs> I was like all, all right, buddy. Yeah, you know, now's the time. Get it out. And he goes, he goes that stupid bass is a fucking pussy. <laughs> That's the funniest thing. It's almost like he delivers that like a comedian, the way yeah. he tells that story. Well, he's he's a funny actor. I was just I just watched Parks and Rec for the first time. I guess you're right. I was like, he is hilarious on there. Who who did he? He used to be married to another actress, and she is also so funny. And he definitely has those kids with her. I don't know. I wish she I didn't just so shut funny. my laptop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I stopped the whole thing. Bummer. It's all right. All right. You going to go watch The Shining? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's go. Uh, 
And we're back. We just watched The, the Shining. Shining. And I just want to first say, Jack sucks. Yeah. From the get-go, he sucks. Well, what do you... Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah. I realized that I actually was more afraid of it because I feel like I, I haven't really watched it as an adult, but there were some things I would see and I'm like, oh, that must have scarred me as a child because I it was like bringing it up from the back it's, from the back of my brain. I was like, oh, shit, I don't well, like that. Well, it, I just felt like I just had this constant just base anxiety the whole movie. You just have this anxious feeling the whole movie because even from the beginning, Jack's like very weird. He seems so sarcastic in everything yeah, he says. Yeah, literally everything he says, even whenever they're just giving him the lowdown, the job, and they're like, is that okay? And he's like, yeah, that's totally fine. It's like, do you mean that? Yeah, he's always so weird. He's never normal. And so you're kind of like, they trust this guy to run this place? Well, also it kind of... What an actor to be able to portray that because we'll get into it later on in the movie how his like you can see him morphing into something else but it comes it's very apparent early on that something is up with this guy. Yeah. It's a very like you said an uneasy feeling. I just like already don't like the look of him. That was like one thing I guess I just haven't seen Jack Nicholson like a picture of him in that time period or what he looked like in that movie but the minute i saw him i was like oh i don't like that that's why i think it's like something back from my childhood from watching it the first time that he terrified the crap out of me yeah he's definitely sketchy the whole movie and that's what gives you that like you said that anxious feeling the whole time yeah and then you just kind of are so curious about what the hell is going on and i still don't even really know what the hell is going on is it just a place that's just haunted so you read the what, book? No? no, I haven't read the book. That's why I would be interested. What was it the other movie that I had watched for the first time with you? I think it was The Green Mile that it was like, I, I started it and I was like, dang, this is kind of set up like, and I didn't know if I was just studying at the time, but like a Stephen King novel. But this one is too. The Green Mile is a Stephen King. I know. That's what I mean. Like you I could tell. Think, you've seen that? I thought you haven't seen that movie. No, we watched that movie together. When? At the fraternity house. All the memories from the fraternity house, just like... A little blurry. No, yeah, because that's the only time I had ever seen it. You seen when he but grabs a guy's dick and yes, helps him out? Yes, with the UTI. Okay. Yeah, and well, it's Tom Hanks. Yeah. I don't remember I, watching that with you. Okay. I would have well, bet you haven't seen that movie. No, and then that one, and then it's almost like when you watch the movies based off of his books... I feel like I can tell that it's his books by how the movie is set up almost because... Okay, so the opening shot is a beautiful, but it's also meant to show you how far out and secluded no, this yeah. place is. I was going to mention how cool the cinematography was in the beginning because it yeah. shows how beautiful it is, but also how secluded it is at the same time. Yeah. Because hotels are beautiful, you know. Yeah. Kind of. Back in the day, probably. But you walk around, and it's like a nice place, beautiful scenes. It's like a badass ski resort, but it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And yeah. it's just so gigantic, yeah. but so empty. Yeah. Well, remember, he says it's not a ski resort. That's why they're there during the winter. It's because they close down during the winter because the snow gets so bad. Mm. So from the get go, they're telling him a bunch of stuff that would deter a regular person to go up there. Well, honestly, like, I would 
I wouldn't mind staying there. Well, Maybe okay. not for that long, but like I think having a resort to yourself just to work there and just. But they're right. It's the the seclusion yeah. gets to people, and so they set it up early on. They're like, the you know the seclusion can drive people mad. It's the roads are completely blocked off. So that's to foreshadow. And then the story that I was asking you at the beginning of the movie, whenever she's like, oh, is this where the, um, I can't remember the name of the group. Do you remember? I just recall the story whenever they brought it up. I was like, oh, is this where that group of people went missing that had to resort to cannibalism? Oh. And that's when I looked over at you and I was like, did you learn about that in school? Because I definitely did. And so it's almost to set up the type of desperation people have whenever you're absolutely in the middle of nowhere. Stranded. Yeah. And the way it like kind of makes you go crazy. So from the get go, it sets it up to be this scene. That we can now, seeing how it unfolded, we can see that that was foreshadowing at the beginning. Yeah, it's also, it's not like frustrating as in it's not enjoyable, but it is, it does get frustrating because you constantly see, like, you know they're secluded, you know he's a little crazy, and then the son's a little crazy too. He's got something going on with him. So did you catch what um, what the cook said? Yeah. That he's like the only one, yeah. And so, but he calls it like Tony, but his father being linked to the actual hotel itself, I think makes it more than just a regular gift because it's darker. That's why the cook was so confused. Well, I think Tony is just a section of him. It's like a version of himself that he created. That's what I mean. But But he still has the shining. Yeah. Because he but sees the Tony flashes. Tony is like the dark part. Think about what Tony shows him. No, Tony tells him to stay clear. He always tries to protect him. Yeah, but it shows him all the scary stuff. That's what I'm saying. It's like Tony's the part of The Shining that's connected to... Because like you said, you don't know. It, I think he was connected to it all along. Like Jack is... Because it shows the picture at the end. Yeah. In 1921. Okay. So, and then um, the guy that died before him, that was the predecessor of the guy that hired him, he goes, you were always the caregiver. Yeah. Did you catch that? Yeah, I did. And then he knew the name of the bartender. There was no way of him knowing that. Well, I just figured he was just crazy. I figure he's the first one to go crazy in that hotel that he was the first caregiver how else would he have been in that picture from 1921 looking as young as he does yeah so what does that mean now like what is the movie well so it took place in the 70s right so i believe without you know reading the book and just that being the second time the first time as an adult watching the movie is that it was him like all along he was the first one to like be left at the hotel. I know. Yeah. But I'm saying, so what is the movie now then? Like, what, what do we do? If it's taking place in the seventies, but he also did it in the twenties then who is he now? I mean, I'm not super sure other than it could have been just all, I'm, I'm not super sure. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, a little confused on it. Cause I don't know exactly what, the movie means like what all the 
because there's a lot of weird stuff that happened there. Like, what the hell is that? Like, whenever the the weird like furry. Yeah the the furry. Well, it was a man in like a bear suit. Yeah, it was before. Like, it was the '70s version of a fair of a what's it called a, f- a furry getting down on yeah, some guy. Yeah, in that a hotel was, room. Yeah, that was weird. So, like, what is that? Just the hotel. There's got to be some stuff that like maybe connects to the book. Like that's just symbolism from the book. It's maybe a little deeper and it just showed that because that's a good, you know, it's a part of the book maybe. I think the hotel was trying to show her stuff to throw her off because she was the only one like when he was stuck in the pantry and the hotel, like imagine all the ghosts that we saw and stuff. That's just the hotel talking to him and trying to get him to do their bidding and they want her gone. So they're trying to throw her off because she ended up, he said she ended up being way more resourceful than we had originally counted on. Yeah. Yeah. And she also, well, She's resourceful because she also is doing his job. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing is that we see her like they tell him at the beginning, you're responsible for any repairs that happen. She's checking off the list and he's like, I'm working and all this. And then what is he working on? The same sentence over and over and over again. Nothing. Yeah. Hmm. And he's like, you kept me from doing everything in my life. But like he he literally for a whole month was throwing a ball up against a wall. Like, come on now, man. Yeah. I would love to see somebody smarter than us break this movie down. Yeah. Maybe we should have watched a YouTube video prior to hitting record. No, because that takes the fun out of yeah, it. I guess it's so. our interpretation as, you know, average moviegoers. Yeah. I would think. I do think though, I do disagree with you a little bit about Tony being the bad guy. I'm not sold on it. I don't disagree with you. I'm not sold on it because Tony was the one that was telling the, what's the boy's name? Danny. Yeah. Telling, Tony was telling Danny to not go to the hotel. He said, don't go. Yeah. So Tony was like the part of him that was trying to protect him. And then when bad things would happen, Tony would come out and say, Danny's not here. Danny went away. It's almost like Tony stepped in to, to protect Danny. Yeah, maybe to have him like, black out yeah, so he wouldn't remember yeah, it's like it. it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. So Tony I'm comes in. I'm not saying that Tony's really like the bad, but it's almost like Tony's what connects him to what's going on in the hotel. Like then the regular shining gift is what I mean. Do you, there were, we talked about there's a lot of quotes from this movie, but do you remember like my mom would always go like, red rum, red rum. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Murder. Was, yeah. Yeah, because Tony. Tony was. I guess maybe Tony did was the one that knew what happened. Yeah, that's why I'm saying like Tony was showing him flashes of what would happen, but I feel like the gift that he was talking about, that the cook was talking about, it was being able to tell the future. So we saw that read minds. Read minds. Um, I guess converse with whatever force was in that hotel so it's just an all knowing gift or something i wonder if we watched the sequel if that would give us clarity not sure was that a book yeah yeah that um released like a few years ago and they came out with the movie Hmm. no but i liked it i I thought it was creepy 
Yeah. It like really keeps you on the edge of your seat. The music. Yeah. Which is something that adds to it that, I mean, obviously you can't portray in a book, but the music was interesting because it was almost like at some points you would think that it didn't fit, but it did because you're supposed to feel uneasy the entire fucking time you're yeah. in that hotel. Oh yeah. It's almost like, you know, it's going to go bad. You know what you're getting into when you go to watch it. So when you see him act untrustworthy, he yeah. just, you're like, God damn it. Like he's going to do something crazy. Yeah. It's like, you just know it cause you don't trust him cause he's always being weird. So he's like such an untrustworthy character. So like no matter what he's doing, you're kind of like, Oh shit, what is he going to do? Yeah. Plus you don't really believe cause you know, he's, you know, he's done something bad before and just got away with it because she, you know, protects him by just like undermining him, yanking the hell out of his son, snapping his arm out of his socket. Yeah. What the fuck was that about? So and she's like, Oh, you know, just happens. it just happens. Just something that happens. And the lady's like, yeah, yeah he's drunk as hell. Yeah. 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 And the hotel was, so, you know, he's capable of violence and you don't trust him already. Yeah. So you're like, you just know, you know, something they talk about somebody getting axe murdered. He's acting weird. You're like, he's going to freaking axe murder them. Well, yeah, because whenever they bring it up to him, he's like, that's fine. Everything's fine. It's like he was like, yes, that's what I want to do. Please give me this job that I can do that. Yeah. I want to know, like, OK, was he real? What is maybe I can read the book and let you know. Because that is one that's been on my list for a while. That one and uh, Christine, too. I need to pick up that one. That's a big one. Okay, so Stephen King does this thing where he um, makes the main character a writer in a lot of his books. At least, so in that one, in Salem's Lot, the main guy was a writer. And in Misery, the main guy is a writer. That's another one I want to read too. I've read like the first part of it, but I didn't ever finish it. Dude, ugh, I couldn't imagine reading a whole book that's just depressing. So now you're going to be just reading like depressing material. Yeah. For like a while. Yeah. And imagine like all those shots, those long shots showing the rooms. Yeah. And the way that I said Stephen King likes to describe in great detail there's probably chapters of just describing this room i bet i mean but i bet he hopefully he's a good writer so hopefully like you know from experience because you've read the books does he lighten it up in some points to make it more enjoyable or is it always just like misery misery just like it's like oh this is brutal like it's it's entertaining because it's like you keep wanting to know what happens next but it's just like so brutal the whole time no that's that's like so like in Salem's Lot, that's what it was like. He was giving us little bits and pieces of a story. And like, I'm just curious. I want to know what's going on. So imagine like watching that and he's seeing flashes of the little girls in the hallway. And there's a bunch of weird shit happening. And then like in one. Did you also notice that the time stamps for like it goes a month and then Monday Tuesday and then it gets closer and closer and closer yeah it's getting more and more intense and more things are happening and it's almost like the simplicity of that font and the way that it just like on the screen like makes it more real and mm-hmm. as it's inching closer and closer together you're like oh shit some shit's about to go down yeah it's getting exponentially worse yeah spiraling spiraling out of control yeah um, and then you think that help is coming 
and I knew that I was waiting for him to die. I was like, damn it, I know this guy right in dies. the heart. But going yeah. back to what you're saying, I was going to say reading a book like that, though, is because usually after you finish a book, you feel a certain way. Yeah. It's so called like, the catharsis. What do you mean? It's called um, feeling of um, like a satisfying feeling in well, whatever I, end. I don't That's mean that. That's what it's called. No, I don't mean that. I mean like when you read a book, like after you read a certain book, kind of the whole theme of it or the way it made you feel kind of lingers. Like if you read, like when I read like The Gray Man, it kind of makes you feel like a badass. You're like, oh yeah, like you kind of get hyped up because, you know, the main character you just followed for the whole book is a badass. He just completed his mission. Mm-hmm. And then like... Uh, you read Dune, you're kind of like, you know, you feel important almost because like you kind of feel like that character because you just read him and you read Paul going through and becoming the king, you know, that's like, you yeah. feel a certain way afterward. Is that's, that what that means? Yes, that's literally You said what satisfaction. I, just said. I didn't mean... Well, like, no, okay. it's just the way that a story ends and how it makes you feel. In whatever way that you get closure on it, that's like kind of what it is. It's like this washover feeling. Like if it's a happy ending, then you end happy. If it's, it's just however it leaves you feeling. And like any, any story that's good has a good catharsis, whether it makes you feel good or bad. Yeah. It's kind of just how you feel coming to terms with the end of the story. Yeah. Which they did get out. So Yep. I think you're just confused at the end of this one. Yeah, I'm just, I was saying if you read the book, mm. it would be a bad catharsis. Yeah. New word un- unlocked. <laughs> Miss English I don't major. Know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's better in the book. Maybe it ends with, because like Salem's Lot kind of ends that way too. It's just like done. It's over. He, yeah. he kills the main, the main vampire in two sentences. Really? Yes, bro. The end of that shit, it's like, it leads up, and um, so they can only get them at, um, when they're sleeping during the daytime, and he just stumbles upon all of their nests, and just goes up to the main one and stabs him, and then it's literally over. <laughs> was that a, it had to be meaningful, right? Like, what was the purpose of that? was so you have to stab the main one to kill all of them i know that but i'm saying the ending had to be like that for a reason right it kind of just felt like it was over or maybe he just well maybe actually that wasn't the point of the book and he just needed to wrap it up he's like all right it's yeah time to kill him yeah just bored at that point he's like okay i'm over it time to wrap this book up dead yeah, yeah man it was yeah. well sometimes when you're writing it's hard to get ending and ending you just gotta like end it well, other than the bad guy ending, what else What else could there have been? Just like in that one, in The Shining, what else could we have wanted other than him dying? Yeah. I mean, you could have seen him die. You could have seen him freeze. Could have seen, could have seen them get away and what they're like in the, in the car. We did. We saw the snowmobile go away, and then in the morning, it shows him in the morning, like, frozen to death. I'm saying, but we could have seen him actually, like, start to freeze, begin freezing, and then freeze all the way, and then see them, their shot of them in the car, like, hugging or something. Yeah, if that would have given you better closure, then yeah. But then again, maybe the book maybe doesn't want to leave you with good closure. 
Yeah. Maybe. Because it's like, yeah, you want to know they got away. You want to know that they got away, but you don't want to, f- if you saw them hugging and stuff, you're like, oh, yay, happy ending. But this movie, yeah. you don't really feel like that when it's done. Yeah. Even though they get away and everything, you're kind of like, ooh, still. Yeah, it's meant to leave yeah. you with an unsettling yeah, So it's probably feeling. smarter that they didn't show a happy ending or show them. It kind of made it abrupt ending because it kind of makes you feel off. Yeah. It's a good movie. Definitely makes yeah. you feel a certain way. Yeah, I am um, watching it again now. I definitely caught a bunch of stuff that I obviously didn't see as a child. I just remember the... What'd you catch? Um, well, one thing was that the house was trying to almost like do to bring him things from like a good married family man, because the only other story that they have of like, it's, it's the same type of thing. It's like a man that's driven to like provide for his family, even though we do know that he's kind of, you know, fucked up at the beginning, but he has a wife and a kid. Right. And but the hotel is trying to drive him to do things that like so like commit adultery. It like wanted to get him to make out with that naked lady. Yeah. Which. Wow. Full frontal nudity for a woman like that was all hanging out there. Mm -hmm. There was nothing covered up at all. Forgot about that one. But I do remember when she turned into a gross old lady. So then that one and then um, alcohol because he had. A drinking problem. Yeah, the house gave him alcohol. And then it wasn't letting him sleep. It did say that, huh? Yeah. It was like, this one's on the house. Yeah. And then it said, like, whoever's buying a drink doesn't concern you right now. Yeah. Or something like that. He's mentioned, like, you don't need to know who. You're not ready to know. No, he said, it's on the house. And then he's like, oh, the house. He's like, the house doesn't want you to worry about it. He's like, the house says it doesn't matter right now. Like, you don't need to know that right now. Yeah, no. That's what he said. Because he yeah. asked, I want to know yeah. who's buying my drinks. He asked yeah. that. And they said, well, you don't need to know that. Yeah. yeah. You're not ready for that information. Yeah. So the house is like slowly. And then he's not sleeping. So he's like going further and further. And it's like it's trying to draw him out to away from being like, a good family man to like turn on his family. Yeah. Because it takes a lot, I feel, for a man to go from loving his wife and his child to wanting to chop them up with a freaking axe. Yeah. You know. Great evils at work over yeah. there. I mean, he's he's setting himself up for utter failure. He's not getting sleep. Yeah. He's making himself alone in a giant room. That makes yeah. you feel even more alone. Yeah. Um, something funny about that, actually. So I'm sure in the book that's very that's similar. Like, that's the same thing. Like, he probably writes in a giant open room mm-hmm. on a big desk like he does. St- in Stephen King's book, he talked... Ever seen, like, every time we talk on this podcast, we talk about Stephen King. It's brilliant. That book, his book about writing and his, his philosophy, he says he doesn't believe you should write a book in the middle of a room because you don't deserve like who do, who are you to think that you can write on a throne it's like you need to earn it every single time so he puts his desk in the corner and sits in the corner and writes like he's like he did when he was broke cuz he's like I I'm not a I'm not anybody special I got to earn I got to earn it every single time I don't deserve to be in the middle of a room so he always prefers to write in the center on the you know corner of the desk and 
Jack thinks he's a good writer. He's like, you know, kind of full of himself and he puts himself in a giant room all alone sitting down. Yeah, and he hadn't accomplished jack shit. No. Like he, they said he was a teacher turned writer, but he hadn't write, wrote anything. He no. wasn't published or anything like that. Hasn't finished a book. He needed to get away so he could finally finish, which is just an excuse. Yeah, and she's like, how's it going? And he's like, I got a lot of ideas and none of them are good. But he never had them, you know? Yeah. And then... um. So in Misery, I do know that the writer in that one, like the main character, is very like well accomplished. And it's about that he wants to go a different direction and one of his fans doesn't like it and like kidnaps him and makes him like holds him against his will to finish this book in the way that she wants it to be finished. Mm -hmm. Which is like, I do believe that he puts himself in a lot of these stories So he was probably like, and you know, alcoholic and stuff like that. A lot of his characters are alcoholics and writers and stuff. And he was probably when he was putting himself in The Shining, he was like, I'm just, you know, I haven't accomplished jack shit, you know, and um, almost like portraying the worst parts of himself. Well, I don't don't think it's necessarily like specifically himself in there, but he's definitely like parts of himself are in that character. Yeah. That's just natural, I think, with any character you write. Well, yeah, he's not going to... I'm not saying it's verbatim because then it's... I mean, I don't think he went crazy like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, One part that I thought was interesting, too, is a shot when the kid on the bike, the tricycle, rolling through the hallways. Mm -hmm. The camera focus isn't focused on him. It's focused on the background. Mm-hmm. So like as he's pedaling, he's center frame, taking up the majority of the space of the picture, but he's not in focus. The background is. So it's almost like you're trying to like look past him. Like, what is he, you know, what is he going toward? You can't yeah. see. So it makes you feel uneasy. You also, you know, knowing the movie and knowing the, you know, the, what's it called? The iconic shots, you know, what's going to happen. The two girls are going to be there. Um, so it's still, that makes you feel more, that made me feel more anxious, but still, I think the shot of just him being blurry and the background being in focus, cause you don't see that normally. It's always what's in the center frame is what's in focus, but he's not in this shot. So you're kind of like trying to peek around him. Like I said, trying to see what's going on yeah, or where he's going or what's in front of him. Well, also he's turning corners really fast. Yeah. So you're always wondering what's going to be around the next corner and what's because it goes for a long time that you're like, okay, something's about to happen. And then also to that point, following him is showing his point of view from like being down there and like imagine like coming, you know, it's almost like we could see it from his eyes, from his back. Yeah. You know, what did you think of um, the wife? In what regard? Well, a lot of people say that like her acting, like her fear acting was one of the best and like any, it was so, I mean, for me, I would say it was pretty genuine. Well, I think it it was pretty terrifying. (laughs) I've heard Stanley Kubrick made her cry so much that she was like actually broken on those scenes. Like she was like literally like couldn't, like she was felt emotionally drained. So like all that just raw emotion was true. Yeah. In a sense, you know, she was obviously wasn't probably wasn't suffering horribly. Like she knows it's a movie, but because she had to keep crying, her headspace was in a bad spot. Yeah. So she said it was it was a hard scene to do, but her but he brought out that hard 
hitting performance of her true raw emotions of feeling just terrified and lost and confused and you know all that because he kept retake 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 and she kept having to cry and cry and cry and cry yeah and it just got tiring yeah well and like her even just how she looks her eyes are very like wide-eyed and she's super almost like naive to it and she's just a very you know simple woman that just wants the best for her child and everything and like even the house you know bet everything else on her they're like this is going to be a piece of cake and then they're like actually she's a little smarter than we thought yeah so maybe we need to figure this out and then she ends up being the one that gets him out of there even though he's just like ridiculing her the entire time like you're always trying to fuck my life up and you haven't done anything but it's like what have you done dude yeah you ain't done jack shit she's been taking care of the kids she's been cooking food she's been taking care of your responsibilities that you are getting hired for and you're getting paid for. Yeah. What was that? She was in the boiler room. Yeah. She was doing like something. checking on the tanks and stuff. Yeah. Something like you go girl. Holy crap. But yeah, just I'm trying to think what else there were a lot of, a lot of components in that. I mean, it was very simple. You know, it's a simple, well, it starts Story. it off simple and then it gets real confusing and conflicted because now you're like, okay, was he real? Is he just a reincarnation? And he just his reincarnation is always meant to go back to this spot. Or maybe he's just frozen, you know, maybe him freezing to death shows that he's like frozen in time. Or maybe the, you know, he's taken by the house so the house put him in that picture, you know? I don't know. I feel like there could be a lot of different things going on. That's what I'm so curious about. I'm definitely going to watch a YouTube video after this to see what, you know, people break it down and years of studying, you know, because the movie's been out for, what is that, 40 years, 43 years? What year did it come out? 1980, 43 years. Yeah. 43-year-old movie, so, you know. That's so crazy. Is it not that, like, the 80s were, like, I mean, as the years go on, it just gets further and further back. That's how we're about to feel. <laughs> That's how time works. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't, I didn't need that. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it crazy how time just moves forward? And that's how we get old? That's literally what you just said. Okay, let's rate this movie. <laughs> All right. Rude. Uh, what do you rate the movie? Um, out of 10 you can't re you can't re-say it okay think about all aspects the cinematography yeah the enjoyability you ready i guess so i give it a 7.3 damn that's low i think it's fair you're fucking great 2.0 bro nuh-uh at least i don't change my shit after you say something i don't change mine no i'm not saying that i was talking about gray gray doesn't change oh that's Didn't the rule. he used to change? No, the rule is you can't change. Oh. You have to just say your score. That's why. I... Well, I just said it. So you can't say that that's the rule and then dog my rating after I yes, say I it. Yes, I can. No, you can't. This is a free country. Okay, well, it's a free country. I can change my score if I want to. No, not on this show. <laughs> okay, where are you giving it? I was going to give it an eight. Okay. That's 0.7 more than mine. That's a lot of points. No. Yeah, it is. Nuh-uh. It's pretty substantial. A six, an eight, you're getting into, into great territory in, in, in the eights. 
Yeah. A seven is like, you're like, eh. Not, you're like, that was good, but it wasn't like, it's not going to be a classic or stand up of all time. Like, it's not one of the greatest movies made. I think it is one of those just because it was one of the first to like kind of do stuff like that. Yeah. I gave it an eight because it made me feel anxious. I enjoyed watching it. I was curious the whole time. I was locked in the whole time, despite it being a little bit of a slower movie. That is true. Yeah. It's a little bit of a slower movie. Three hours? Nah, it was like 220. Oh, okay. They, for some reason on uh, Google, they always say it's, they add like 30 minutes, 20 minutes of the credits as, as the runtime. Oh. So it would, it was 2.20, but I gave it an eight because I felt anxious. I was scared during it. Um, I liked the cinematography and the shots were really cool. Their performances were great. Yeah, the shots were really cool. And also... Um, but Oh, I was, uh, sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to say it was a, sl- a little bit of a slower movie, but it kept me locked in and engaged the entire time. Yeah. Well, and um, great child acting, especially for back then. Like, I you felt think? like the kid was really believable. You don't think so? Yeah. I'm just saying, I was just going to say he didn't really do much. Just stared. I think he went from like... He talked like this. Okay, but like, did you see his face and his eyes whenever he had to talk like that? He was what, seven years old? I don't know. And he's like so cute at the beginning and just like wide eyed and kind of like, but then as it progresses at the hotel and even whenever he becomes or when Tony's talking to him, he goes like dead eyed, you know? Yeah. And then... He's like really scared in other parts. Like, I mean, he's seven years old and he's able to invoke that emotion yeah. for the camera. I would say that's good child acting. Yeah. You try to get like a, a child to do stuff like that. No, I get it. I'm just saying impressive childhood acting would be like when you're like, damn, that performance was great. Like when he, they do, they bring out emotion. They actually like act. Give me an example of a child doing that. I couldn't give you one right now, but there are some. Okay. I don't have an example up to bat, but. Have you ever seen um, Super 8? No. You've never seen Super 8? No. It's a Spielberg. It's so good. It's about um, a bunch of kids that find an alien Mm. and they like kind of film it on like a Super 8 camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'd be down to watch it. Yeah, that was a really good one. Yeah. I think that came out when we were kids because I grew up watching it. I remember, that one. yeah, I remember coming out and seeing trailers for it, Super 8. Yeah. That um, was really good. And the music was great. Yeah, the, the score music was awesome. Enhances the movie significantly. Yeah. It's just that creepy. Yeah. There's like those harsh sounds, just like. Yeah. Well, that's why I was talking about it's like it made it more jarring because. It felt like in moments where the the music didn't belong there, they still put it there. Yeah. So it was like you were constantly feeling uneasy because you're like, okay, well, I thought I was safe for 20 seconds. And then it's like, I guess some shit's about to go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's, they're doing something. Like even though it's like, you know, it's going to happen. Like when he's writing murder. Yeah. Or when he's writing red rum. Yeah. And you know something's gonna happen and then the mute like but you you know something's gonna happen but you know it's not gonna happen soon like you know it's building like it's just starting to build despite that though you hear a sharp like violin you know stab Mm -hmm. and you're like 
oh, and you're like, okay, we're good now. Mm-hmm. Nothing's happening. It keeps writing the words and nothing's happened. And just randomly throughout the score sometimes in these like intense scenes, it would be just a hard hitting note. And that kind of makes you a little nervous. You're like, yeah. oh shit. Yeah. Because like you don't, usually that only happens on, on on when it happens, but it happens randomly. So you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Startles you a little bit. Yeah. You're meant to never feel safe in this yeah. hotel. Yeah. <laughs> like at all. But honestly though, I feel like that would be fun staying in an entire resort. I don't know about for like, how many months was it? Five. One month in was when he started going crazy. Yeah. I don't know if you could, could stay there for five months, but it would be nice to just have a peaceful, quiet resort to yourself. Yeah, but that big of a place and like that's creepy as you hell. You would need a sound system to blast music all the time to fill the noise so it's not so quiet. I don't think I could ever not know what was going on in like a totally different part. Like I would I would you, need them to close down like most of it. What do you mean? Like you wouldn't want to be have access to half of it? I wouldn't want to like wonder what's going on in like the southern wing of it, you know. But there's not, you know, there's nobody there. Is there though? They emptied it out. Okay, I don't even in any capacity. I was like, there's there's something there at all times. Did you also? <laughs> did you notice at the beginning when she's like, oh, I love all the decor in there, and it's like all like Native American decor, and then they're like. Oh yeah, they say that this was built on an, an Indian burial ground. So they built a hotel that are all like tourists and like and I will say mostly white people, you know, in this hotel, they built it on an Indian burial ground and then they used Native American decor in that hotel. Yeah. And they said which is I hate, I hate hearing it, man. I hate it. I don't care what time period it is. They use the N word in this movie and I just, oh, so unnecessary. And it's like the two guys that you're supposed to hate the most are the ones that say it. So I'm like, okay, well now I hate you worse. Yeah, I mean, that's an easy way to get somebody to to show they're bad guys if they're using that word willy-nilly like using it negatively yeah and it's not even like the slang one either no like hard it's, r yeah yeah i wasn't gonna say that but yeah yeah i mean that's two like, white dudes absolutely not that's how you show it's like a bad guy who doesn't have any morals right? yeah just yeah. that's a simple simple quick way to show that's a bad guy yeah well and because the guy that they're talking about was the one to come in and save them yeah. And they were using that term on top of it. You know, it's just, it's all, it's all pointing bad. Yeah. Well, because I guess the house sensed the boy shining and how the old man, uh, the the guy was attracting. They were, kind of, he, the old man just kind of a sense, the chef kind of sensed something was going to happen or that something was happening. That's why he was so worried about them. Yeah. So he just knew. Well, the first time he brings up even The Shining, he talks about that him and his grandma could communicate together. Yeah. And that was the first time that we realized, oh, he maybe also has what the kid has is because they communicate to each other. Yeah. So I wonder if he was blacking out and then Tony was the one talking to the chef because we never saw him and the chef like interact telepathically other than at the beginning. Yeah, but no, he talked to him because remember he was saying, he told him who Tony was. 
Yes, I mean, um, after he had gone back to Florida. That's why I was like, oh. maybe Danny was blacking out and Tony was the one communicating with Homeboy. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, if we, I don't know. There's no, I don't think, maybe there's a clue, but I don't know if there's a way for us to know. Yeah, maybe it's just a feeling. Yeah, because I don't think the boy was trying to communicate with the old man. I think the sh- or not, I see the old man, the chef. I think the chef was just communicating. Not he, the chef wasn't even communicating. He just sensed something was happening, and the house also sensed that he sensed <laughs> something was happening. Yeah, it must be like a connection to like the beyond of like. Yeah, I think it's just everything. a consciousness kind of just like energy yeah. kind of deal. Where you just kind of force. Yeah, they they become they <laughs> practice enough they can become Jedi's. Yeah. This is actually this the Star Wars prequel, know, prequel, prequel, prequel. Yeah. origin story. Yeah. Also, did you notice how like in in nineteen seventy times, like they just communicate to like each other so nicely. Like when they're the, they're talking to the cops, it's like, okay, thanks, bye. You yeah. know, which is like they, no, they just that sound was just so force nice. protection or something like that. Um. Well, either way, yeah. I'm just. I'm just talking about interaction with human beings, like in general. Yeah, everybody's so genuine. Everyone's so nice. Yeah, and they're like, "Okay, thanks." He's like, "Hey, do you mind checking up?" The chef calls him. "Hey, do you mind checking up on them? I, I want to make sure they're okay with the storm." He's like, "Yeah, sure, I can do that for you. Um, let me call you back in twenty minutes. Let you know." Yeah, I appreciate it. He's not like, "They're fine," or you know. Yeah, that's what I mean. Somebody's calling to make a request for them to do work. He's like, "I'm fine with that." Yeah, Yeah, I probably should check on him. Yeah, everyone's so like chipper. And then you go back to like the, the the hotel where it's like terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it definitely makes sense why this movie was a classic because. Yeah. Did you enjoy this feel. one more than Silence of the Lambs? Um, that's tough. Different types of movies. I think I did. What did I score Silence of the Lambs? I don't know. Oh, you you didn't watch that one. Probably. I wasn't here. Yeah. Didn't even support the show. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> um, but I think I did enjoy this one more. Yeah. They were both good movies. I enjoyed both of them, but I think this one was the better one. Are we? Are you not saying what's which one y'all are going to do next week? What's you already next said week? it. Oh, did I? Yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah, because it is. Well, is it? Oh, yeah, next week is Halloween week, yep. right? Yep. So it's Halloween. Yep, yep, yep. Let's which see. is also very underwhelming as an old... Um, as an old like scary movie that one I did I have watched recently with my mom and I'm like okay you know it's like Jamie Lee Curtis is a little over dramatic but it's like it's just one of those movies yeah it's like old so it's not that and scary. it's horror yeah and I'm horror is a very easy genre to make yeah you can make it with zero money and it makes so much yeah, so be, much because people just like the thrill of watching a horror movie and the jump scares. That's what people go to them, and so it's really easy to make a horror movie that people that don't really like good movies but just want to watch a horror movie, they'll like it. You know what are good horror movies though? You know what I'm gonna say? The Conjuring. The Conjuring movies are so freaking good. The storylines are really good. Yeah, even like the spinoffs, they're scary as hell. Oh my gosh, one of the scariest movies I've ever seen in my life is. Annabelle creation it's like how she first came to be and 
oh my gosh even just thinking about it i'm like getting chills i think i've seen that maybe i know i've seen like the witch one which one the wit <laughs> the witch one <laughs> the first one no no, no it's, with it the was, tree out in the front that's that's the first one that this, this one was like one. a title with like a witch in it maybe um maybe it's not part of the conjuring maybe i'm thinking of something different because the conjuring is like a it's like a franchise yes yeah. Annabelle's a part of it. Conjuring's yes. a part of it. There's something else the a part of it. The, the nun, nun is a part of it. I didn't watch the nun. Yeah, that Oof, one. Dude, that why one is that was so creepy? Why are nuns and like religious things like that so creepy? Because it's just like it's something that you don't touch. It's like it's. I feel like we associate all well all evil things with like the devil. So it's like when it comes into contact with holy things, it just feels wrong. It's yeah, just wrong. I guess you're right because that, and you think about kids, like little kids, when those are creepy as fuck. Because you know, seeing a kid be evil, you're like, what the fuck? Like what? Yeah. You know that kid's been taken by the devil. Yeah, and it's it's wrong because it's yeah, children just, are yeah. supposed to be innocent, and so it's almost like a a perversion of that, which just feels wrong. Yeah, I guess it makes sense with the nun and the yeah. doll. Yeah, a doll, something that's supposed huh. to be enjoyable by children. Even with this one, like choosing, having like a child be the one that's like, you know, has that. It's just, it's um, taking like the vulnerability of being young and just wide-eyed and just, per, you know. Dude, I was watching this movie and I was thinking about that poor kid. Think about the trauma that kid's going to have when he grows up. Well, we watched the second one. We can see it. I guess so. Because I think he's like an alcoholic and all probably that. Probably fucked up from this. Yeah. He was so traumatized prior to this that he f created a second identity, like an imaginary friend that talks to him and that his brain doesn't realize like he's t he's talking and not knowing what the other person is going to say. He's He's been able to split identities up in his head. Yeah. It's not just like an imag imaginary friend that you're like kind of like playing with and like he actually is asking the yeah the, and the, remember he's actually, when he doesn't Tony tell questions. him yeah Tony won't won't tell yeah. him things yeah so you know he's had that much trauma prior so now he has split up his identity he's got somebody to take over his mind for himself whenever things get real sketchy yeah his dad tried to kill him yeah. Oh, remember like before he like started going really, really crazy whenever he goes into the bedroom to like look for his fire truck and his dad's like sitting up in the bed. Yeah. And he knew in that moment because he called him over and he was like, and you can see him like his dad like hugs him and kisses him. And that is just the face of a child that is not comfortable no. at all. No, he doesn't trust his dad because his dad's hurt his arm before. Came in drunk and hurt his arm. And I'm sure he's yelled at his mom a few times and he's probably been a little wild if he was an alcoholic and had to quit drinking. Yeah, but also he was kind of more laid back with his dad in the car because he was telling, he's like, dad, I'm hungry. And he's like, well, you should have eaten your breakfast. You know, it's like a very normal conversation no, with a if, child and a father. But if you notice... He said that and he asked his mom and his, he's like, thank you, mom. Yeah. Because his dad always treats him bad. He asked his dad because his dad's the boss. And then his mom said, we'll eat food and get to the hotel. He goes, okay, thank you, mom. Yeah. You know, like she came in and stepped in and saved him. So he's definitely more comfortable with his mom just because I don't think he's just asking his dad because he knows his dad's the boss. Yeah. I mean, 
Because he I was guess. just, because I, I think that was meant no to show signs. us, like at the beginning, like, some sense of normalcy for sure. Yeah, yeah. And but like, still, it just felt weird because like of how family dynamic. Yeah, it still just felt weird. It felt weird because he's so weird. The whole movie. Yeah. Oh, and um, at the beginning when they both go into the the maze and he's never been in the maze so whenever danny runs into the maze at the end you're like oh he's got this he's been in there with his mom yeah but he didn't get to the middle though he did that's where he backtracked was oh, that what he uh, was it yeah 100 percent. i didn't see the benches snow i don't know if he was there i think he just ran somewhere because I feel like I saw like the open rectangle and then the lights on the side because that's where he backtracked his like feet. Yeah. And then he like went back into the bushes and then I think he went like the opposite way around. Smart kid backtracking. Yeah. He was noticing that his dad was following the his footsteps. footsteps. Yeah. Dude, that's sketchy having to run from somebody and you got the snow below you. Oh my gosh. Or even just like. I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine that. You'd have to get a lot of distance and then start to cover your tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Getting chased, dude. He was smart though. He did like, he wasn't a frustrating escape. No, no. He was an anxious escape, but you're like, okay, thank God he's smart enough to do the right thing. Yeah. Both him and his mom. And like, that's good. Just goes back to like, you know, him like being like, oh, you two are so dumb and like everything. It's like, oh yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> well, you didn't even notice that he erased his tracks. So yeah. who's really the dumb one here? Yeah. It was a good movie. Yeah, I, li- I liked it. But I do stand by my 7.3. Despite the acting, the music, and the acting the cinematography. Was Just like Jack Nicholson, I'll never... He... um. I mean, very iconic lines, and you can only hear them by him. Yeah. He's played a couple weird characters. He played a crazy guy in one, uh, some like Fly Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, one, I've never seen that one. Some One Fly Over the Cuckoo's Nest or something like that. Cuckoo's? Cuckoo's Nest? Cuckoo's Nest? One... I don't know. Let's look it up. But just before we wrap this thing up, Jack Nicholson. Uh, you haven't seen the original Halloween? Nope. Uh, no, I've seen the newer ones, though. I've seen the newer ones. One flew over the cuckoo's Cuc- nest. Cuckoo. I'm pretty sure it's cuckoo. I've never heard someone say cuckoo. C-U-C-K-O-O. Tell us in the comments if it's cuckoo, because I'm pretty sure it's cuckoo, not cuckoo. Who says that? That's how it's spelled, cuckoo. <laughs> one, flew over the cu- one flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> cuckoo. All right. Okay. Eight, 7.2. I said 7.3. 7.3? Yeah. Unjustified. What Low. do you mean? What do you mean? I think it was great. Well, rate it great. I thought that was, that was an above average rating. I'm not going to get sure. into it with you with my ratings sure. again. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, That's thanks fine. for having me. You're welcome. Again. Thank you for being back on the show, coming in clutch. Another time. 
Always count on Mercedes coming in clutch, saving the day. It's almost like I sleep here. <laughs> yep. Easy, <laughs> very easy access. Very easy, easy access. replacement. Um, all right. Thank you guys for watching. Um, if you want some Crown Cinema merch, go to crowncinemashop.com. You can get a cool hat like this. Shirts. And here in a little bit, maybe we'll design some winter clothes. Winter launch by world-renowned designer, Mercedes Saragos. Who is that? Who is that? I wonder who that is. I don't know. How did you get her to, you know, I heard it's pretty hard to, you know, she asked a pretty heavy, hefty price yeah. to design. Well. It's pretty crazy. Good thing that Mercedes Ergos is going away because maybe Mercedes Harvey will cut discounts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Thanks for watching and we're out. Yeah.